into a very familiar passage of Scripture. Those of you that have been in Sunday school for your lifetime, you've read the story many, many times. I remember my son was teaching Sunday school one time to some boys, and he read from this portion in Exodus chapter 8, how that when the frogs died, verse 14, the land stank. Well, <clears throat> he got in a hurry, and he read that the land stank. And his face lit up, you know, and boy, he just had this great new thought. Why, those frogs were so heavy, they just weighted the whole earth down. <laughs> Reminds me of a preacher that I knew that got up one time and he started reading about how that the feathered birds came. But he read it, the featherless birds. His face, too, lit up. He said, isn't that just like the Lord? He picked them. <laughs> this is a familiar story. It's found in the uh, book of Exodus, chapter 8. Beginning at verse 1, the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go. I don't know, perhaps you have seen on television some Americans demonstrating in the streets, let our people go. Well, that comes from this passage of Scripture, demanding that the Iranians release the hostages that they hold. Maybe you don't realize what has really happened, but remember, an embassy is part of the United States. That embassy is as much a part of America as the grounds upon which this church sits. And they have violated every rule of international law in what they have done. People demonstrating in the streets are taking from the Bible what Moses said, Let my people go when we are demanding that our people be released. Let's go along here. That they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading trough. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And then in verse 6 it says that Aaron stretched out his hands and the, frog did, the frogs did come up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantment and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. 
Think about it for a minute. Here is a story in the Bible about one of the plagues of Egypt. And it tells us that the frogs were to be released, and they were released in that land, everywhere. Can you imagine for a moment what it must have been like when a woman went to her oven and she started to prepare a meal and she opened uh, the uh, door to the oven, the frogs would jump out. The Bible says that when they went to their bedchambers and when they went to their beds, the beds were filled with frogs. The Bible says that the frogs jumped all over them. Just imagine sitting down, and when you sit down, squash, there goes some frogs. Or when you started walking down the street, the frogs were everywhere, and they would crush under your feet. Frogs, frogs, frogs. Now, Brother Hiram said a while ago that he remembered when he was a boy and how that in Oklahoma they used to... Uh, go out and, and get frogs. Well, I've gigged a lot of frogs myself. But those were edible. Uh, frog legs are a delicacy. We're not talking about that kind of frogs, folks. Brother Cross and those of you that have been to the Holy Land, you well understand that along the Nile River we're talking about some very disgusting things. The frogs of Egypt. And they were in their beds, they were in their kneading troughs. Now, most of you think that bread comes out of a plastic bag. But somewhere down the line, somebody had to knead that bread, and they had to have a place to knead it. And where they were preparing their meals, there were frogs. There were frogs everywhere. And finally, uh, Pharaoh comes to Moses, and he says, I've had enough. Entreat for me that the frogs may leave. And Moses says, Glory, it's just about time, fella. I'm sick of these things too. But he said, I don't want any misunderstandings. I want you to tell me when the frogs are to leave. That way you will never be able to say that it was just simply coincidence. You will never be able to say, well, after all, the frogs were dying out anyway, and they left not because God said so, but because it was just the time for them to die. And so he says, you tell me when the frogs are to leave, and whatever time you set, that's when the frogs will leave. Now think about it again. The frogs are in his bed. The frogs are where he makes bread. The, the frogs are where he sits. The frogs are where he walks. And now Pharaoh answers Moses, and he said, All right, I'll set a time. I want the frogs to leave tomorrow. You understand what he said? He said, I want to have one more night with my frogs. I want to sleep another night with the frogs. They could have left right then if he had said so. There was no reason for him to delay. There was no reason for him to put it off. 
But you see, Moses said, I don't want any misunderstanding. And so you set the time and the frogs will leave. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Now, most of us say, isn't that dumb? Isn't that stupid? Anybody knows better than that. Is that so? I am here to say to you that I find that attitude everywhere I go. I talk to unsaved people about their souls. And they will say to me, you know, you're right. I need to be saved. I need to repent of my sins. Well, why don't we just get right down here? Why don't we... No, 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 not right now. I, 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 I'm going to sometime down the... I'm tired of sin. I'm sick of sin. But I don't want get to get rid of it right now. I want to have another night with my frogs. How many times do I talk to backsliders? And they will tell me how that they used to sing in the choir. They used to teach Sunday school. I used to be very active in church. I, I served as a deacon. Some were former pastors. Well, why don't you just rededicate your life? Why don't you get back into the... Oh, I'm going to. You understand? I, I, I'm going to. Well, why... What's wrong with right now? Well, <laughs> this isn't a very good time. And I, I, I'm going to. But what are they saying? They're saying, I want another night with my frogs. They're just like Pharaoh. But how many Christians, how many good Christians feel in their heart, I should be doing more. I should be giving more. I should be more involved in the work of the church. I should be uh, working harder. And I'm going to get around to it. But right now, I just need a few more nights with my frogs. You know, <clears throat> this isn't confined to this passage of Scripture. Let me show you a, a principle. This is found over in Luke chapter 9. Beginning at verse 57. And it came to pass as they went in the way, a certain man came unto him, said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Now I want you to notice that here is a man that is coming and volunteering to be in the Lord's army. And he says, Lord, wherever you go, Whatever you have, I'll do it. I'll go with you. Now here this volunteer is spoken to by the Lord. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Oh, no, 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 no. That isn't what I was volunteering for. You know, if I went down to the recruiting office and I said I wanted to enlist in the Army, if they could guarantee me that I would never get hurt, 
and that nothing bad would happen to me in the army. You know, as I have said, every time somebody shot at me, I got the distinct impression they were mad and that they were trying to do me grave bodily harm. Now, beloved, here is a man that says, as long as I can have my beauty rest mattress, as long as I can have it close to home, as long as it doesn't cost me anything, then I'll be your servant and I'll follow you whithersoever thou goest. I know too many people like that. But I don't want to get too far away from mother and dad. I don't want to get too far away from my land holdings. I don't want to get too far away from the good job that I've always had. If you're going to serve the Lord, it is necessary for you to say, Whithersoever thou goest, I will go, and then go. But this man, we hear nothing of him anymore. But then we have another man. And now Jesus comes to him. And he, that is the Lord, said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now, that almost sounds crude, doesn't it? Jesus is saying to this young man, no, 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 you don't have time to go around burying anybody. You are going to have to follow me. Well, <clears throat> I used to wonder about this passage of Scripture. When I went to seminary, they taught me how to preach and how to parse a verb and inflect a noun and but you know what? They didn't teach me how to serve the Lord's Supper. And they didn't teach me anything about preaching funerals. And we had a, an elderly gentleman that was a member of the first church that I pastored. And he sat over to the left of the pulpit. And uh, one night we were leading different ones, leading songs. Many of you probably remember the old song, I'll Fly Away. And old Brother Hughes got up and led I'll Fly Away, and he did. He died right then and there. He had a heart attack. We got him out of the church, and he was dead as soon as we could get a doctor to him. Well, <laughs> now our new pastor's going to preach the funeral. I had determined that I was going to make my ministry a biblical ministry. And so I was going to follow whatever Jesus did. And so I decided I'd look in the New Testament and find one of the sermons that Jesus preached at a funeral. And then I would be able to comfort the family of Brother Hughes by bringing them some thoughts from one of the Lord's sermons at a funeral. Every time Jesus came around the corpse, he restored them to life. And I didn't know how to do that. And so I, I had to fall back on something quite different, if you please. 
Somebody says, well, is there something wrong here? Yes, there's something wrong. I want you to see what is wrong. Jesus said unto this man, follow me. Now this man says, I'm not going to follow you. He doesn't say, I refuse to follow you. But he says, suffer me first. Now that's what's wrong. I want what I want first and foremost before I do anything about you. I am convinced if this man that had been called to follow Jesus had invited Jesus into his home and into the presence of the person that was dead, the Son of God would have raised him from the dead. But may I point out to you that any time you put anything ahead of the service of God, you're wrong. Even a thing as important as seeing that the dead are properly interred. Suffer me first. Nothing should come between you and the service of the Lord. But notice the third one. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee. But here it is again. But let me first go and bid farewell to them which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is, back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you understand that there is nothing wrong with loving your mother? and loving your father, and loving your children, and loving your wife. But if you love them more than you love God, if you put them first in your life over and above God, then you're wrong. I don't care who you are. The Bible teaches that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Then these things will be added unto us. Oh, I'm glad, however, the Bible doesn't always talk about people that were guilty of delay. I find over in the book of Genesis where Eliezer went out to find a bride for Isaac. And when he came upon Rebekah, he said, I'm ready to take her to my master. And... Uh, for her to become his wife. Well, in verse 55 of chapter 24 in Genesis, her brother and her mother said, Well, let the damsel abide with us at least ten days. We, we can't get in a hurry about this thing. Let her stay here at least ten days. We need to get her a trousseau. <laughs> we need to advertise in the Jerusalem Post. And uh, we need to get some pictures taken. Oh, we just got so many things we need to be out to have a shower. And he said unto them, Hinder me not, seeing the Lord hath prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. I need to be about my master's business, he said. I can't stand around here uh, watching all of this nonsense for ten days. And finally they said, Well, Let's go inquire of the damsel, and how does she feel about it? 
Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. I don't want ten days. I don't want nine days. I don't want a week. I am ready to go. It's the right thing to do. And so I'll go. But you know, as I talk to you about the frogs, you realize the danger in saying, I want another night with my frogs? Do you realize, as you perhaps have seen yourself in this matter of delay, what is wrong? You know, the frogs just may not leave tomorrow. You know, there are people that are always going to get straightened out. And then they're going to get back in the Lord's work. And so they straighten them out and put them in a casket and they're back in church for their funeral. And that's as soon as they ever get back to church. Listen. It's a shame for people to put off what they know is right. What if I were apprehended for robbing banks and I was brought before a judge and uh, the judge said, I understand you robbed such and such. Yeah, that's right, judge, I did. And I'm very sorry about that and I, I hope that the court will look with favor on my, uh, my appeal for mercy. Well, that's, that's interesting. Well, now, Judge, you understand that I did rob that bank. And I have about four or five banks that I have in mind that I'm going to rob. And as soon as I get through robbing those four or five banks, I promise you I'm going to quit robbing banks. Now, do you think I would really make many brownie points with a judge talking like that? And yet, how are we when we talk to the Lord? Now, Lord, I know that what I'm doing is wrong. I know that what I'm doing is less than right. But I have a few more weeks, a few more months of this that I want to engage in, and then I'm going to get straightened out. Then I'm going to get right with you. Ah, the frogs just may not leave under those circumstances. And may I remind you that a worse thing than the frogs may be there tomorrow. After all, after the frogs did leave, the lice came. After the lice, they had locusts. After the locusts, they had boils. After the boils, they had fire. After the fire, they had darkness. And after the darkness, they had the death of the firstborn. Yes, the frogs left, but there were more serious consequences awaiting after the frogs. Some years ago, I was preaching in a revival in Ojai. And I got a call and asked me to go to jail, the Orange County Jail. I've mentioned to you before that when I was in high school uh, and uh, junior college, I was involved in music. And in my acquaintance among musicians was a trumpet player, Gene Hasselton. Now, there was a difference between Gene and me. Gene had talent. <laughs> and he went on to play with some of the biggest name bands that were going at that time with Stan Kenton. 
and uh, Claude Thornhill and uh, Jimmy Dorsey. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Gene wanted to see me, and he was in the Orange County Jail. And so I asked the church if I could be dismissed from that Sunday evening service so that I could travel to Santa Ana and see Gene Hazelty. When I got there, uh, Gene was actually a year younger than I, but he looked like he was 80 years old. He told me a story that was so terrible. He started in the jam sessions with the various groups, and they started passing around marijuana. And pretty soon that didn't satisfy, and so Gene then began to mainline heroin. And he was apprehended over at Montebello High School selling heroin to kids in high school. And he began to cry. And he began to, he was a graduate lawyer. He had, he had his law degree. And he had a talent. He, he was one of the finest trumpet players I ever knew in my life. And yet, in all of his crying and all of his begging and all of his pleading, he didn't do much changing. And the last time I saw Gene, he was in a casket. He was over at La Harbor. That's where I was raised. We went to Fullerton High School and Fullerton Junior College together. And Jean had a wife and two of the sweetest little girls I ever met in my life. And his wife and his daughters had gone to church on Sunday morning. I'd been able to do that much with the family. But when they got home, they couldn't find Jean. And he went out to the garage, and there he was. He had taken a hose, and he'd gone up into the car and turned the car on, and he'd killed himself. He was going to get rid of his frogs. That marijuana, I'm going to get rid of that. And so he went to heroin and sniffing coke. And pretty soon, the only thing he knew to do was to kill himself. Oh, it's so easy. I know that I can get rid of these frogs. You don't know any such thing. When the Spirit of God deals with you, you had better respond because my Spirit will not always strive with me. And there's another thing. It's very tragic to talk about one more night with the frogs because there may be no tomorrow. You may not make it until tomorrow. A number of years ago, I was preaching on a Sunday night. I've never done this before. I've never done it since. But that night at the invitation... I asked if there was anybody in the audience that was so concerned about their soul that they would just come and take me by the hand and say, Brother Canterman, pray for me. I want to be saved before I die. 
And if you don't want to stay up here, I said, you go back to your seat. That night there was a visitor in our audience. His son-in-law and daughter were members of our church. I remember he had on a brown leather jacket. I guess his mother and father wanted a girl because they called him Ruth. And so Ruth came up and took me by the hand. And he said, Brother Cannon, pray for me. I want to be saved before I die. And I said, Ruth, why don't you stay here and let's pray together. He said, no. Well, I'd already made my proposition. I couldn't go back on that after all. I'd given my word that if they didn't want to stay up there, they could go back to their seat. And he did. The week wore on, and Wednesday night we had services. And Thursday morning, Dorothy and I were awakened, and Ruth's wife was at the door. She came in and kind of sprawled on the couch and said, Ruth has left me. Ruth is gone. Ruth has left me. Well, I knew they had been having family trouble, and I assumed that what she was talking about was that they had separated and that she wanted me to do something about a reconciliation. And she said, the highway patrol just came. And they told me that Ruth's body needs to be identified over in Tulare. Would you please go with me? And so I went to Tulare, took her to the mortuary, and I knew the mortician. And he said, preacher, said, uh, you knew this man pretty well. Oh, yes. Well, he said, then you can make the identification. It might be a little hard on this dear lady. So I went back, and he pulled the sheet back. And as I looked down, it was Ruth all right. But he had bitten off his lower lip and had swallowed it. And I said to Mr. Deming, I said, what in the world happened here? He said he was drunk. And he was trying to negotiate a 90-degree turn, but he was going close to 100 miles an hour. And he said he saw that he wasn't going to make the turn, and he was going to hit this telephone pole, which he did. And his car just went straight up that pole, snapped it off, and out into a field. But he saw that he was going to die. He saw that he was going to meet God. And in his dying agony, he just and bit his lip and swallowed it. On Sunday night, he had said, I want to be saved before I die. And on Thursday morning, I was identifying his body in a mortuary. And he was so terrified of dying that he died one of the most horrible deaths that you could possibly imagine. It was kind of funny about walking on the frogs, wasn't it? It was kind of funny about eating with the frogs and sleeping with the frogs. But let me tell you something, my friends. The frogs are nothing to fool with. Sin is tragic. Sin is a despair. God, help us to realize that if we have sin in our lives, we need to put it out now 
Not in the morning. Not next Wednesday night. Not next Sunday. But right now. While we have time. And opportunity. Lord take these words. Not because we spoke them. But because we believe that they are a reflection. Of the truths that are in thy word. Oh heavenly father. If there's one here tonight that has been convicted of sin time after time, and they have said in their hearts, Oh, yes, I know that that preacher's right. I know those preachers are telling the truth. I know that the Bible is the Word of God, and I know that it says we've all sinned, and I'm going to do something about that someday. Lord, help them to understand that they're no more intelligent than a Pharaoh that would say, I want to sleep with these frogs. I want to eat with these frogs. I want to commune with these frogs just one more night. Oh, Heavenly Father, there may be church members that have drifted so far that they need to come to this altar and say, Lord, you being my helper, I'm going to get into the work and I'm going to really give my all to the service of God. Help us, dear Lord, those of us that are in service. May we find new avenues of service, new ways to do things, new ways to be effective in a world that is sick with sin. In these last days before Jesus comes, make us effective. And never let us give in to delay. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's stand while we sing 251. And as we sing this invitation hymn, let me make it as plain as I know how. Are you a sinner? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you've not repented of your sins and trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you are still in your sin. But may I remind you that the wages of sin is death. But on the contrary, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why not accept that gift? Why go on working for wages, the wages of sin, and have only death awaiting you? And if you are not living for the Lord as you should, maybe you need to come and kneel at this altar. We dedicate your life. While we sing, would you come?
Thank you. 
Lord wants to meet with you. Youth group. I don't know if you want to discuss the frogs or not. Just over here in the be back Wednesday night. Be in prayer for our dear pastor. Thank you. <coughs> so the class crowd is missing some prayer. I know the father of 